as an artist, you can decide not to draw something in in the landscape you're seeing because you don't want it because or it's too complicated or it's ugly in the middle of your thing. And the ugly thing that's in the middle of my point of view, that's the one thing that I want to draw. Hello and welcome to the Sneaky Art Podcast. I'm your host, Nishant Jain. This is a place where I have deep conversations with artists who, like me, enjoy drawing on location. My guest today is Matt Lett. You can find him on Instagram at M-A-T-L-E-T. Matt lives in Paris as a full-time illustrator, travel writer, and urban sketcher. I've enjoyed Matt's work on Instagram for many years, but this is the first time we've had the opportunity to have a conversation. A lot of his drawings are made on the metro, at restaurants and at bars, at busy events in busy parts of the great city of Paris. You get the sense that he's trying to learn more about his world and bond with the strangers around him through the act of drawing. It sort of reminds me of my time in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, when I used urban sketching as a way to better understand my world and the people that I was living around. I put my drawings and my impressions of the American Midwest together as a now award-winning book, Sneaky Art of Eau Claire. You can buy the book on my Etsy store and I'm really happy when I make a sale because now I get to put these two award stickers on it with every copy. Recently, Matt published his own book of sketches made during lockdown. It's a fascinating book titled 28 Square Meters, and it refers to the size of the apartment he shares with his girlfriend, and by extension, what was to become effectively his world during the period of lockdown. Matt's window, his apartment, his neighbors, and his city, in a lot of ways, start to feel like my window, and my apartment, and my neighbors, and my city. We are all going through this pandemic together in that sense. Our personal and professional worlds have been upended, and all our previous plans have been shelved. So we are together in these frustrations and also in these small joys that we try to share. It's good to be able to connect with somebody over something as simple as the act of drawing, especially when it's somebody who's living an entire ocean away from me. I really enjoyed speaking with Matt, and I hope that you will enjoy this conversation as well. To find show notes and to catch links related to this conversation, please visit my website, sneakyartist.com slash podcast. Hi, Matt. It is very good to be able to speak with you. Uh, we have been following each other's work for a couple of years now. And as soon as I first saw your work on Instagram, I was very immediately attracted to it because I saw these similarities in what both of us are trying to do. So you draw in the style of cartoonists who I admire very much. And you capture in the cities the same kind of dynamic energy and the same kind of activity that I also try to capture myself. So this conversation that I want to have with, uh, with you today 
will be a little bit about these similarities that we share and a little bit about the things that interest me in your work because I do not do them myself. All right. Yeah, I think we are both sneaky artists, actually. That's, that's, that's why we kind of bonded because we, we both like to be unnoticed in a place and, and capture everything. I'm so happy to hear you express that sentiment because I feel like the value of sneaky being sneaky while making art is so underrated and people don't seem to be getting the same joy that I get from, you know, drawing quietly and then getting away from there. Yeah, I, I like to be sneaky, but then I, I also have to admit that I like to be noticed as well. So I usually I draw sneakily and then I go to the people that I've drawn and I, I try to connect with them and, and just to exchange. And, and that's also a very fun part. I want to start today with asking you something about something very fun and interesting that you've done to sort of deal with the horrors of this crazy year that we are going through. And that is the book that you've made of your sketches during lockdown. And I find that book really fascinating. It's called 28 Square Meters. And it's a book of drawings made in confinement, in lockdown. Did you already, before COVID hit us, did you already have a, a, some kind of idea about wanting a book this year? Or did it come out because of these circumstances? One of my objectives of the year was to come up with a book. But I thought it would be about, about Morocco. Because I was invited to go to Morocco and, and walk in the desert for a month by the French Institute of Morocco. And it seemed like the most amazing project ever. <laughs> and just like everyone, uh, I mean, this was canceled, of course. It, it, it was supposed to be in April, I think. And, and it was canceled before we, were, we even got in lockdown. And, and that really, you know, made me feel super bad. I, I was really depressed for a few days and then lockdown started. And, and I, I told my girlfriend, can you imagine that? I, I was supposed to make a book, supposed to be in the desert, super free and everything. And we're locked down. And she told me, she told me, make a book of this because this is history. It's, it's even much more interesting than talking about Morocco and, and, and walking in the desert because so many people have done it before you. But this story of, of lockdown, it's, it's a piece of history. So you have to record it. So even on the first day, I, I had the idea of at least, I don't know, I, I didn't know if it would be a book, but at least make a sketchbook of what was going to happen. Right. That's so interesting. Also, like so many of us, like especially independent artists, so many of us had these, like I myself had these grand plans for 2020 and everything was just dashed instantly and immediately everything is gone. And suddenly you have to pivot yourself again. You have to suddenly take advantage of this new circumstances, which are completely alien to us having to stay indoors not knowing what the next week, what the next month is going to be like. And then in that time to kind of switch it around and to use that to your advantage. And people did so many different things to do that. And it's so great to see that you brought a book out about that experience. I agree completely. It's, it's a very historic year. And maybe even in the next 
50 years you're going to think about 2020 in a very significant way uh tell me tell me a little bit more about uh, so you had this idea for the book and you were making these drawings uh, there must have been things that you already knew that you're going to put in this book that it's going to talk about uh what are some of the things that were a little unexpected what were some beautiful things that lockdown brought you and that you were able to draw um i was a little uh, i'd been a little bit prepared f- for this project because uh, in december and january there was a big strike in public transportation in france and especially in paris and this this one got me a little bit crazy because i couldn't go anywhere and after a while i started drawing at home it was the first time i i i drew my my own house you know and so so when when the the, the lockdown started i knew okay i should draw my home and i made a list of everything i can draw uh, this i don't know the the shelters the shower but then i did not really respect this list because even starting on the first day the su- subjects started coming up to me um i have the, the the chance that i i have a view on the street from from where from my building i live on the second floor so i see the street pretty well and the first day were people queuing at, in front of the post office. Tons of people. And I did not understand this because it was supposed to be locked down and there were tons of people outside. And so that was the first drawing, you know? That, that was the first story, like, like what's happening? And, and, and so I understood quite quickly that it was not... That, that, that sketchbook was not... Uh, the the manual of how you have you can find ideas of drawing inside your home but it should be a report on the star the lockdown stories yeah that's such a good way to put it <laughs> thank you uh, and and stories would come up all the time uh, like between me and my girlfriend because like she, she's a yoga teacher and she started doing online yoga courses so we had to to put the house upside down to make some space for her to do her life things. People on the street, the things I felt. Anyway, every day uh, there was a new story coming up to me. It, I, after maybe a month, it was harder to find those ideas, but usually they would just come up. You know, just trust the world to be insane, and you will find you will find your 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 daily story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's very true. Uh I notice on your cover I think it's your cover it feels like as if it's about some local music that was also happening in your community. Yeah so we the, um, there was there were some rituals that started taking place. The the ones that on the one that's on the cover is just people clapping applauding the the first uh, responders every night at 8 p.m. And so we would wave at the at the neighbors and everything and then maybe a month in there was this guy quite far away from where we were who started singing a song after after the applause every night he would he start his song a song and it was amazing but we couldn't hardly see him but we could listen to him every night and the, so everybody was staying there listening a little bit more at the window 
And just around the end of the lockdown, I went out to, to draw him uh, at, at the bottom of, of his building. Wow. So you didn't, for the first few times that you were listening to him, you had no idea who he was, what he looks like. No, we couldn't see him at all. Just hear it's, him. That's, that's so beautiful to think that because music was also like a bonding thing in my neighborhood here. And uh, it wasn't so much people singing. What would happen was that there was a local radio station that would play songs on request at 8 p.m. also. And for 10 minutes, everybody would come out on their balcony and uh, they would like dance with their phone lights or put up lights around their balcony and then they would be switched on. And everybody would sing and wave to each other and dance on their different balconies. And it brought everyone together in this very crazy way because, you know, apartment life, you sometimes don't get to know your neighbors at all. Yeah, totally. And so definitely not the person living. And, you know, if you think about your apartment, uh, where you can see from your apartment, if you stand on your balcony, you can see more clearly the buildings in front of you or away from you than your own building. So you don't know your immediate neighbors sometimes, but you know people who live even further away. Yeah, we, we could not see who was inside our buildings because we didn't we couldn't go out, but we we knew the other ones, and then we could communicate in from one street of the the from one side of the street to the other one. And yeah, we needed that bond. We needed social contacts, and it, that that's one of the most beautiful thing that happened during this this moment. Yeah, so um, I anticipate also, like you said, that you know how things. You can plan for things, but these new things keep coming at you because we're living in such an uncertain year. Every week, it seems like the world has completely changed all over again. So there was always new stuff coming. So uh, did the trajectory of your book, uh, how did it change? Like, were there different, can you say that there were different kinds of lockdown or different kinds of moods to the, to, to how, you know, how you were perceiving your community, the kind of things you were drawing and the things that were important in the news yeah uh, definitely um and and it was part of my project to really record the daily feelings the daily mood and so i was drawing and writing each day or maybe sometimes writing the day after but i didn't want to try and be smart and have a good analysis of the the, the moment like thinking the things for uh, with a one month perspective no i wanted to have the the daily perspective and someday i was super happy actually like many people you know oh suddenly i have time suddenly i can just stay home and watch tv or or draw or do whatever i like and some other days i would freak out because i'm an independent worker and i have i still had some work but i, I mean it's 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 scary right and also the world the world is going ballistic and people are dying and so i really wanted to be in touch with the daily mood and also as you said i was preparing stuff but i i think good improvisation requires good preparation so i was always thinking of the next subjects i could find but always looking for surprises as well so it's like, my plan B is the thing that I thought I could draw two, day, two days ago. But my plan A is to observe what's happening today and to find an, 
an unexpected story yeah yeah that's that's such a good point uh, i've been speaking to uh, different people about urban sketching even in this podcast and in person and often the thing that really is the big draw like the big the big reason to do this is that you never know what you're going to find even in ordinary days let alone in this year 2020 but you there's always something unexpected and something beautiful in in the world and you can find it if you look for it and you don't already have preconceived notions of what exactly you're going to draw and how exactly it's going to look if you just let yourself see things then suddenly more and more interesting things occur to us yeah i i think you should it's especially um during when you're traveling when i travel i i i try to plan a little bit okay today we're going to do this in the morning this at night and this during the day and maybe i could compose my double page this way and then i have an idea but i'm also ready to break everything because suddenly there is some moment that i really want to capture or so prepare yourself and be open to anything that can change actually there's there's a very nice quote i heard i think it's by the musician bon jovi and his quote was that always make plans but write them in pencil so uh, you also crowdfunded this book so that's that's something that's very unique and interesting how how was that crowdfunding experience it was amazing actually i like i don't have um i've published really small things before or um uh, or collective books participated in co- collective books but i never had a big book that was issued so i don't have a publisher that is going to to say hey matt you, you did this project we should make a book out of it and i thought also i thought it was a very very personal project and i don't want anyone to tell me that oh maybe you should change this or this i was not going to change anything about it <laughs> even if i said something stupid i want i wanted to be there so i decided i'm going to make it by myself this one for sure and i had done this already but i had never done the crowdfunding thing and the thing is that it's a great opportunity for people to feel like they're participating into your projects to get invested into it and i could have printed on my own a few exemplars a few copies of the book and then hoped to to sell them but i knew that with the crowdfunding people would support me i and they would help me to even print more because they they pay in advance and it it would be some kind of community thing you know for people who support me and and it was amazing actually i was super happy it it went really well Uh, I think uh, I reached the objective in two weeks, something like this, and and I was surprised to see like there were some lots of people I knew participated, but also many people have no idea who they are, and they were like, "Hey, we're super happy to see your book," and and we were following on Instagram, and it helped us through the lockdown, and now we want to have this memory as well. So wow, it was it was an amazing experience actually. that's that's a really nice aspect of it uh, when i found myself running out of subjects to draw as urban sketches so running out of subjects to draw from observation 
I was thinking about my neighborhood and I was thinking about how so many people are now in lockdown and suddenly working from home. So what I started doing was I reached out to my neighborhood's Facebook group and I just posted there that if you are working from home and if you have some kind of a messy and confused work from home setup, which is, you know, like complete chaos inside your little home, send me a picture of it. And just to just to help you and to help me to distract myself, I will send you a drawing of that work from home setup of yours. And I started doing that for people and I got so many entries from people and I would draw it and I would give it to them. This was, of course, for free. But a lot of people offered to buy the drawings and to request prints of the drawing simply because of this same sentiment that we want to have something uh, positive to remember this crazy time of our lives. And it's lovely that as an artist, we are able to give something like that to people, something to make them feel good about all the madness and all the chaos and the uncertainty that we've all been going through. Yeah, I, I, I even even had some people who told me it brings some kind of nostalgia from this moment as well, which is quite a paradoxical, you know? But but okay. Also, it was a special time in our life, depending on how you 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 went through it, of course. But and you know, I, I for some reason, I I I keep saying that I make my sketchbooks for my grandchildren. I don't have any grandchildren. I don't even have children, actually. But I I feel like maybe I don't know. 30 years from now or 40, 50, I don't know, they're going to be very interesting <laughs> because they will speak speak of a time that has disappeared, that will have disappeared. And, and it's, it's, a great, it's a great memory. And memory from the lockdown, I mean, there are a few events that we've lived that everybody remembers and, oh, where were you on that day? Where were you doing? And... And for us, I think there is 9-11, some, the two World Cup finals, soccer World Cup finals, maybe, and the lockdown. And I don't see anything more than that, you know? So, and the lockdown lasted two two months and maybe it's going to come back. (laughs) Um, Another interesting thing that I saw in these uh, recent few months from your work was you were covering protests. So I'm curious to know how that how how is that experience? What's it like to cover protests? Well, I I have felt uh, that recently, all over the world, actually, I mean, in many different places in the world, there has been very big protests for many different reasons. Um, in France, we had the yellow vests and which at first, at least, I did not agree with them. And so I didn't go and cover the things, but it lasted for a year. Every weekend for a year, there were big protests, and then I I, I started understanding them. And then there is Black Lives Matters and many other stuff, many different topics. Even, but, the, even the climate protests before that. And the climate protests, yeah. And that, that's the ones that I'm I'm following the most. Uh, and I, I thought after the I, I had missed the life the yellow vests and I thought I need to record th- these protests 
I, I missed this ones. I was stupid. I should have gone, but okay, I didn't go. And especially the ones about climate, I want to go. And I want to try to, to report something from this moment. And it's, it's kind of a tough subject to catch in a drawing. <laughs> It's not really easy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not very happy with the drawings I've made from the, t the, the, the protest, but okay, never mind. But I think it's really important, and also to support them because I now I'm going to protest which I support as well. So it's like I'm trying to get more committed into this by still making the things that I, uh, I can do. And as next week, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, extinction rebellion action in Paris, which is going, it's just illegal. I'm not going to do lots of illegal stuff myself. I'm going to be drawing people doing illegal stuff, you know. But but it's my way of committing, and especially with all the climate things, I, I'm really I don't know. I'm scared with this question, and and I'm I'm trying to participate the way I know how to do, you know, how to yeah. There's one aspect where you are participating as a citizen. Simply by being there, you are adding to their numbers. You are giving solidarity. From another aspect, you are you are recording what's happening. Yes. Now, the, one part of recording what's happening is, again, how it makes you feel to have contributed in some way. You've made a drawing of that scene. You have really looked at the people and the things they are doing. And as you draw them, the, the process of drawing itself is a way of understanding more and to understand deeper. How do you, but what do you, what do you think about the value of those drawings to other people who might follow the protests in that way? Do you think drawings uh, have any value to give? Yes, totally. Uh, people around me usually react in a very positive, positive way. And even sometimes the organizations who who drive the protest will repost them on Instagram, or it's it's the same value that drawing has all the time. It's it's showing what's happening in a slightly different way. Uh, it's more of an interpretation, and and people feel the um, the care that we bring, you know. And I went to one of the protests uh, after the death of George Floyd. And so everybody was, you know, bending the knee uh, for seven minutes. And I did the same. I bent the knee just like everyone else. and But I kept drawing, you know. And around me were photographers who were just running through us and taking pictures and and i really felt that it was disrespectful it's like uh your your image take bringing this image is more important than respecting what's happening whereas i felt i was part of the thing and still doing my own art you know it's, it's a very interesting comparison, and I speak to uh, Donald Colley about this as well, that simply by being able to take lots of photographs very quickly, it in, almost invites you to not engage in a deep manner. It promotes 
superficial engagement the amount of time you spent engaging with one subject or one scene is so much lesser because of the kind of technology and the uh, abilities we have but then you are doing something which is what somebody in the 19th century might have done as a journalist <laughs> to sit over there and to draw it because that's the only way you will get an image yeah and that's what allows the connection and uh, and that's the best thing ever i think uh, i mean at least for me and i i never thought about this before i really got into urban sketching a lot then that drawing is a great way to connect with people i i had i hadn't thought about it and but then it is <laughs> i thought like if you're a musician you start playing somewhere people are going to gather they're going to start singing with you it's it's amazing it, it's probably the, the best form of art or dancing or or making music and you think that drawing is very solitary thing and actually no i mean if you're drawing on the street people will come all the time ask you question sometimes it's even a bit annoying but most time it's it's really amazing and and it's a connection also i remember in this protest about uh george floyd There was another one later. I went to this one too. And I saw... I was really observing people around me. I saw very young people screaming for justice, you know? And I was really observing them. And I was almost crying because I could really feel the, the their anger and also the beauty of what they were trying to do. And I think being able to connect just i was not drawing at this moment but i have learned how to look deeply at things and at this moment it was really really powerful and i could not i, I had to wait a little bit before i started drawing because i had to let this go a little bit and the fun part is that 15 minutes later i ended up crying a lot because the cops had sent cheer gas at us <laughs> <laughs> i remember i remember watching that story on your instagram when the tear gas attacked and then you run suddenly from the middle of drawing yeah that makes you cry <laughs> that was terrible <laughs> but you still kept recording you didn't stop making that story yeah at this moment i thought i should use my phone and the video just to show that the the cops were sent there was literally a, a tear gas grenade that went between my legs you know like <laughs> they were i felt like i was a uh, you know at the bowling thing and the guy was trying to hit strike and i'm not used to to going to the the, the violent parts of the protest so uh, i was i was a bit impressed <laughs> so uh, this brings us very nicely to my curiosity about how you came to urban sketching so can you tell me about uh, how long you have been an artist how long you have wanted to draw and why and when did urban sketching come into this this whole sphere of influence uh-huh so i've been drawing my entire life just like many of us drawing as a kid and never really stopped um but i never wanted to study art especially and i kind of as a teenager kind of quickly gave up on my dreams of drawing and but i kept i kept doing little drawings every once in a while and also at work or in class or anywhere if i had a 
a pen in my hand and some paper around, I would draw all the time, all the time. It, it never left me, this part. Uh, but then I was doing, and then uh, 10 years ago, I started doing webcomic. Just like you, I guess. Yeah, exactly <laughs> 10 years ago, me also. <laughs> it became something, you know, and I, because I was, I was drawing funny stories from work, but like pencil drawing. And a friend of mine told me, you should put them online. And so I, I did some basic Photoshop coloring and I started doing this. And it was really cool. Really, really cool. And at this moment, I started drawing a lot. And then I did an, like an online illustrator training, something like this. Not online, actually. Remote, you know, old times before the, the real internet <laughs> things. And... It was nice, but not so great. But it just taught me a little bit about watercolor and stuff like this. So the the real things I got from it was this. And but I I had almost never done observation drawing before that. I was on, always doing things from from my mind. And then I uh, I traveled for nine months in West Africa. And there I started drawing scenes from outside. You know. Sometimes from photos, sometimes from uh, on location, a mix of both. I was always doing pencil sketches, very detailed, and then ink, and then watercolor. So in nine months, I, I brought back 12 A5 watercolors. So like nothing almost. But when I came back and, and showed the drawings, for the first time in my life, people told me, oh, this is very beautiful. Because my drawings were never beautiful before. It was funny or when I was a kid, I was drawing Dragon Ball Z or stuff like this, you know, or just, or just funny comics. And and that's that's when it started really, I, I felt I had touched something new for me. And, and actually, I loved traveling. So I thought, after a while, I thought I want to try to make travel sketchbooks. And... Then, sorry, it's a bit long, but <laughs> then I went to Iran uh, and I had the project of doing lots of watercolor paintings there. But also at the same time, so many things were happening to me, funny stories that I, I made a comic, like kind of comic sketchbook and watercolors at the same time. And, and one day I was on a mountain, I was alone. I had met very, really, really nice people before that. And I, I, I really felt um, so much aligned with myself, incredibly aligned, the most aligned I had ever been. And so I decided I was 30 by this moment. I was single. And I thought, you have almost no strings attached. You have a little bit of money ahead of you. You have to try to, to become a full-time illustrator sketcher whatever you have to time to to, you to try to make a living out of your drawings and i made this promise to myself to quit my job and 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 try to make travel book sketches blah, 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 or something like this and then so i started reading everything about what we call in french carnet de voyage it's, so travel uh, travel sketchbooks and I, I, I stumbled up on urban sketchers in a book. 
And then I went to meet them in Paris, to meet the Paris group. And it changed my life. <laughs> it was simply amazing because before I met them and before... So I, I, I think I, I met them for the first time in 2015. My Iran uh, trip was in 2014. And, and I took uh, like a three or four days workshop in the summer of 2016 with different urban sketchers, including Marion Rivolier, Delphine Priolo, Norberto Dorentes. And this is when I became an urban sketcher because before that I could only do the pencil sketch and then the ink and then watercolor at home and it would take four hours for a very small drawing. And they, they taught me how to do everything on location. And then I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I think I had a very similar wow experience with Urban Sketchers. And in my case, it was the Urban Sketchers group of Chicago. And at that time, I had also taken similar decisions to what you had taken, but not with respect to being an artist or an illustrator. So just like you, I started making a webcomic 10 years ago. And I did it because I'd always liked to draw and I'd always grown up with comics and in the newspaper, for example. And I just wanted to say some things and I thought that they would be best said through a comic. I wanted to make fun of my friends. I wanted to make jokes about my education situation. And I kept doing that. And then uh, I ran into urban sketching in this very strange time when I was when I had decided that I would be a full-time writer. And I gave up my job and I moved in with my girlfriend and I decided that I was going to be a full-time writer and I would dedicate my life to trying to get there. And just suddenly, I meet this group of people who do this thing that I've also been trying to do on the side, which is trying to get a little bit better at my drawing. And I had never had that experience before urban sketching, the same one that you described, where you say that somebody looked at your drawing and they said it was beautiful. And that came to me also through urban sketching. And I, for the first time in my life, I considered that I can make drawings that are not just funny, that are not just, uh, you know, uh, trying to poke fun at something or trying to show something that people aren't able to see but something that's just simply beautiful and people might like it simply for its beauty. And like you say about urban sketching, like uh, drawing a part of it on location with pencil and then going back and working, but this aspect that you can do the whole thing on location and there are so many factors to it. You don't have to be shy. You don't have to be ashamed of, you know, this silly thing that you are doing on the side of the street that you've got watercolors out and you've got you're drawing inside a little... It sounds like such a silly thing to do. But through meeting Urban Sketchers, I got that confidence that this is not... I mean, even if it is a silly thing, we are silly in it together. It's not just me alone being silly in this city. There are other people who are silly like me. And that feeling of community just gives you a permission that... You know, you didn't think you needed permission to do something, but you did need permission to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, for, for me... I, I grew up uh, with no friends who were interested in drawing. And I never attended art classes or anything. So drawing was just my thing. But there is just so much you can learn on your own, you know. And suddenly finding a community was such a relief and, and so rich. It, 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 
it changed everything and it made me do tremendous progress just sitting next to someone who is a bit better than me and oh you drew this 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 way you use this color and wow it it blew my mind it really it really was crazy <laughs> yeah like there's so many steps that you can go forward in your work in one single meetup of urban sketchers it would take maybe 30 40 days to take all of those decisions or to think of all of those ideas just by yourself but if you i i tell urban sketchers this in in my local group here that the best part about this is just being able to finish my drawing and then look around at everybody else and see what they are doing and how they are doing these things so it's just fascinating when i see somebody use watercolors a certain way that tells me oh i can use watercolors that same way why didn't i think of that or i see somebody working with what i love now doing myself i i've always liked to draw with fountain pens but i saw uh, somebody use the bent nib fountain pen the fude nib fountain pens and that just it blew my mind that that's also something i could have done and that is it's so versatile i've been carrying three pens in my pocket when i needed just one <laughs> and all, uh, so all of like this sense of community and what it gives you it it's so it's so amazing that all of us find the things that we are looking for simply by being in the company of other people who are also looking for things yeah <laughs> So uh, tell tell me about like I look at your art and it reminds me of a lot of illustrators and cartoonists that I've read and I didn't know at that time that they were French artists or that there was anything common about them but I've I then I looked at your work and I've been thinking about this episode a little bit and it strikes me that there is a style of cartooning a style of illustration that is and correct me if I'm wrong that's very French which is in some of these comics that i've read like we were discussing that one of my favorite cartoonists is jack stardy and he's drawn these fantastic world war 1 novels graphic novels which i love so much and uh another web comic artist who i really like is bulle core and his work also has these it's a similar kind of exaggeration and a similar kind of style so i, I maybe you can educate me on this is this are all of you coming from some other common source or is there something some reason why you know there's this this style of cartooning has emerged in your part of the world like i'm not a specialist about this but you know like the we have the the french belgian artists uh, starting pretty early in the eight, uh, 20th century the most the most famous is Hergé with Tintin I, i think Tintin really changed everything and is an, an incredibly huge hit you know it's it's something it's a worldwide figure you know it's it's really really incredible and so we have this former school of artists from the 50s 60s 70s 80s and then in i think in the late 90s uh something new occurred a new generation appeared and there were they started what we call what is now known as the graphic novels and it's when uh, actually it's when people suddenly started drawing about their daily lives about love and and not about 
just about adventure stuff and comic, you know, like. Tintin kind of reminds me that actually the first comics that I've read have all been by French cartoonists. Uh, the Tintin series and another really big series in India was Asterix and Obelix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a child, you were interested in this visual and visual slash textual form of communication, images and words together. And then you are incorporating that in your urban sketches as well. I, I think almost sometimes I think I'm more of a writer than an artist, but I still have this hesitation of combining the two. Like I make a lot of comics, but I'm not able to combine text in my urban sketches so much. So it fascinates me to see that you've done this in page after page of your of your book. And it's it's almost like I'm reading through a diary and every day I get to read your thoughts and I get to see what you saw. And the, the two work together so well. Is, is, that, is that difficult for you to balance? Like, do you sometimes wonder about, you know, like you want to draw the perfect line sometimes and you want to get the shapes just right. Do you also struggle like I should also get the words exactly right? Or are the words more of a, you know, just a stream of consciousness that you're just expressing yourself? Mm. So uh, we have another uh, common point is that I wanted to be a writer when I was younger. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to be a writer. And, but at some point, I ran out of inspiration. I, I wrote like, like 12 short stories, and then I felt I had nothing more to say. And, and then I did the webcomic about my own life, you know. And then when I discovered urban sketching, it was so great for me because I didn't feel I had much to say by myself, from myself, but I found inspiration in everything that I see. And this I can translate into my drawings or my texts. And I think that's like, I, I, I love storytelling, but to, to this day, I don't think I'm good at inventing stories, but, but I'm good at telling stories. And I'm, I'm pretty good, I think. And, and, and how do I tell stories? By, by just observing the world for now. And, and I think in, in the, the lockdown book, I, I was really, I think I, had, I achieved this, the balance between the two. I think the drawing themselves tell a story and I add some more as well uh, with the texts. And I, I, I think I love to draw, to write as as much as I love to draw. And doing this project, I, I, I found again the love for for writing, because usually I don't write much these days. In the, but it it was really joyful for me to also be able to write a little bit, not too much, small texts, but but yeah, I loved it. And to me, it's really the same process. It's. Uh, just like we say in the manifesto, I see the world, and then I I translate it my own way, and and I like to translate it in a bit, a bit something a bit funny and unexpected, like you wouldn't think at the first glimpse, and so I try to do this in my texts and in my images as well. Interesting. Coming back to your book, um, one of the most interesting parts of your book, and probably one of the most interesting parts of your year has been the fact that you contracted a very mild form of COVID. 
<laughs> tell me how how you think that happened and uh like what what kind of thoughts did you go through you started drawing almost immediately but like i want to just go inside your head and see how it felt to go from thinking that you have this disease and then dealing with it so i think i, I like the weekend before the the lockdown i was in london lockdown in france i was in london and london was really really uh, cool you know no no big problems you just had to wash your hands and we were in crowded places and it it smelled like it felt like the like the last good moment before hell you know <laughs> before the end of the world but i guess that's where i caught it or or probably just maybe going back to paris after that and going in the metro or something so it's it started uh a week after the beginning of the lockdown and so i i lost the sense of smell and taste and and i was you know i was i was okay i i i knew that it could be a lot worse for other people i knew i was i'm young enough not to be affected too much and i'm pretty healthy so i was not really wor- worried and but after a week i i started freaking out a little bit like is it like thinking is it never going to come back because <laughs> you know i don't know you don't know actually like will it come back but my my state of mind was if i'm going through a pandemic and 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 i got the disease and some people die out of it and i just can't smell it's still pretty okay you know so this uh, loss of smell uh, how uh, and taste the loss of smell and taste like how big what were some of the big things that that took away from you i mean obviously food yeah so i i um, i could taste the basic taste like it's sweet or it's acid or it's bitter but like a strawberry or chocolate would not have a different taste in my mouth because they're both uh, sweet but my state of mind mind was fuck it i'm going to eat anyway so i was eating like like a pig like everything was super tasty i didn't care okay at least it didn't lead to a loss of appetite then. yeah that, no no I, i i refused to stop eating <laughs> uh, because and then you 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 realize that also the texture of the things that you eat matter a lot actually and it's a a different way of discovering things there are few things that were still good even though they lost they had lost most of their flavor but the, the weirdest part was being able to put my nose inside a pot of coffee take a deep breath and not smell anything that was really weird that was really really weird it's it's very interesting to me how that also then became a sort of test that you were doing on yourself to see whether you are now whether you are yet covid negative yeah but doctors said you should do that you should try and smell strong things every day and to also like uh, train your brain and your nerves to to smell again so i i i tried to do that and that's something else i tried to do with the project was to have rituals so i i did a self portrait every sunday night in the bathroom mirror to tr- to practice self portrait because it's interesting and also to check on myself like how do you feel today 
this week after a week. I didn't want to do this every day because it would have been boring and very self-centered. But once a week, it was interesting, I think. And also, every every Monday morning, I would write down all the figures, the numbers of the pandemic. Because I felt that when you're checking every day, it's like just a little bit more. But some when you compared with the week before, you could see the difference. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point. Uh, it's doing something uh, regularly versus doing something every day because sometimes any activity done every single day can you can become jaded to it. You can also get a little desensitized. So I always try to probe urban sketchers about what they find in urban sketching that they don't find exactly the same way when drawing in a studio or drawing at home. So in your case, I see a lot of travel sketching. And we just went into how uh, Iran and Morocco and West Africa sort of opened you up to this idea. And now that I find out that you always wanted to be a writer, it's interesting because it probably also took some of that writing burden off you to be able to express some things through drawings and not necessarily have to, you know, write what what you see and how it makes you feel. Can you tell me more about how important is sketching to you as not not as an artist, but simply as a traveler? Does it does it give you something to make art of these unique places you go to? And what what's the value you see in it? I, you know, I've traveled a lot without sketching, because I've, I've only been sketching for really like seriously for not even five years actually and i done lot most of my my trips before that and there are two things in the that trip in west africa it was nine months including six months in the same city because i was not on the trip i was volunteering and and staying there six months i realized i i started understanding so much about the city about the people people in the streets selling this, selling that, that I would never have noticed it on a regular tourist trip. You know, you, you come in a city, you, you go by, and you've seen, obviously, incredible things as well, but it's so different to stay somewhere. And by sketching, you're always staying somewhere. And you, if you want to do, a, I don't know, beautiful landscape, beautiful architecture, sketch it's at least one hour two hours like and so you're staying somewhere and you're observing you really see the things and people come to talk to you so it changes actually everything because you get to meet local people that when you usually when you're tourist you dream of authenticity but it's uh, I, I used to be a shy person I don't, I don't go talk to people very easily. But then through drawing, they come to me. And I, I get, I you know, it, it opens so many doors or people will bring me food, take me to their home because I'm drawing. So it, it's, it changes everything. And it creates amazing memories. Uh, uh, like it, it documents your, your life and your trips. And now I've discovered that I can also just document my much more daily life the same way that I do 
in my trips because daily life can be super interesting as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've spoken to other artists about about this value of sketching, and it's and it feels like you know sketching or making art of some scene is always perceived as a positive contribution. Like if you were in that same street corner, if you sit down with a camera for thirty minutes, people might be curious about that as well, but it has so many more contexts to it which can be negative which can be intrusive but if you're making art of something i think people instinctively instinctively admire it and they think of it as a positive contribution to that to them to their landscape to their world and what you are generally putting out there is something that is that is good and it attracts that positive attention they they want to know more they want to know why and these sort of things also help when you are shy when you are in a foreign landscape mm-hmm. and for me what happened was i really took up urban sketching when i moved from chicago to an even smaller town in wisconsin and i was surrounded by people that i didn't know i was surrounded in a world that i didn't really understand but uh drawing it and sitting in cafes and looking at people it made it easier for me to then approach them afterwards because i felt that i had already seen them and it made it made that introduction that initial conversation a lot easier for me yeah no it's it's really amazing it and another thing that i think is important especially in those trips is to give back a little bit and so what i i usually do even even in paris when i go and talk to the people that i've sketched i i offer them to take a picture sometimes they ask me if can i take a picture and sometimes I, most times i tell them i can also scan the drawing and send it to you and you do whatever you want with it and but and during my trips i usually bring a, a small sketchbook with pages you can tear off you know and and i i i, I draw really quick portraits of people uh like sometimes if i if like if i do a portrait i will do one in my sketchbook and one i will i will give to the person <laughs> and uh in india i i in in mahabalipuram i i kind of created a like a riot on the beach <laughs> <laughs> because i i was drawing I was drawing people and then uh, a woman came with her baby and said, can you draw my baby? And so I did one drawing, I gave it to her and then people started lining up and I had to do like 20 drawings, you know, and then I just left. <laughs> 20 is still a small number. You got <laughs> yeah. away. That's, yeah, that's then I, I said, uh, I'm sorry, it's the last one and then I, I just had to leave, you know. Uh... <laughs> Fun moments. <laughs> you you draw these portraits and uh, sometimes you're telling people that you're drawing them sometimes you don't tell them that you're drawing them and they're just part of the city uh, and uh, uh, of course we are all informed by the kind of art we like in your case also like me it's a lot of comics so it's very focused on the activities of people but i still want to ask you what are the kind of things that you look for when you go out say even if it's travel sketching even if it's within your own city what are the things that you are curious about finding out i i like stuff that are weird <laughs> uh i don't the other day i i, I went uh, to sketch in my neighborhood 
and there was this beautiful new fountain that like traditional Parisian fountain, but it was new in, in a little square. And but at the b- bottom of it, there were trash, lots of garbage. And I loved it. I thought that that's my subject, you know, because it's. I think it's something very specific to Paris, maybe other places, but like Paris is both the most beautiful place in the world, most beautiful city in the world. Some people say, and it's also filthy. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to show. I want to show both at the same at the same time. That's that's how I look at things, you right. know. So some uh, like something curious, something unexpected, and I I'm. I don't know. I have developed this this vision. I see the weird detail, or two people are together, but they don't really fit together. I want to draw them, you know, something like this. I like the contrasts and the unexpected stuff. I'm not. I'm not into beauty. Like something that's obviously beautiful, I don't really feel like drawing it. But I, I realized this uh, very recently. I went to La Réunion, which is a, a, a French island inside of the in the Indian Ocean. So it's a tropical island, and it's amazingly beautiful. And we were walking uh, in in the old crater of a volcano. It's one of the most beautiful places I've seen in my life. And I I could not draw it for the first day. I could not draw it. Because I was thinking, what is my, what is my drawing gonna bring to this place? Like, if I were Rembrandt or Turner or I don't know what, maybe I could bring something more to what there is here. But I, as Matlet, I can't. <laughs> and 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 the ne- the day after, I humbled myself and said. I'm, this time I'm going to take something. I'm going to just to try to uh, translate as much of this beauty as I can. And I know it's not going to be on the level of the beauty that I'm seeing, but I'm just going to try to do it. But usually what I try to do is try to bring beauty to things that are not beautiful. I, I'm, that are not obviously beautiful. And just through drawing, drawing brings value to anything, I think except maybe from the be- most beautiful landscape in the world. But so that's what I'm interested in. What what can I what value I can bring to the things that that I'm I'm drawing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um because I especially like what you say about beauty because I all I talk about it in my own book which I self published. So if something does look super beautiful, simply recreating that exact beauty that you see is not always adding value to it. And what we try to do is to find another perspective, another angle to it from which you can add more information to what is there. And I think it's also because urban sketchers and any person drawing on location is always aware of the existence of all the other technology and all the other mediums of expression that are around there. Someone could take a photograph and be a really great photographer and then do great post-processing on it and immediately surpass whatever beauty that you were able to find out. Someone could take a a video of it and that video could be super well-made and that would immediately showcase the beauty in a much more profound way that a drawing could do. 
So the drawing then has to add some unique value that those things cannot. So in that same way, I really understand what you say because I also don't like drawing very obvious, obviously beautiful things. Like Chicago is a really beautiful city, also with a lot of ugliness, the same way as Paris. I've, I've been to Paris a couple of times when I used to live in Europe. And it's just like that. It's breathtakingly beautiful. And then suddenly you see these uh, the other side of urban life. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, Paris has this and has had this, I think, maybe forever because there are poets from the 19th century that talk about Paris being a monster, kind of a whore that will eat you alive or something. And also at the same time being amazingly beautiful. But uh, and And that's what I want to show in my drawings. And that's also why one thing I... I I don't want to do is like, because as an artist, as a uh, sketcher, you can decide not to draw something in, in the landscape you're seeing because you don't want it because, or it's too complicated or it's ugly in the middle of your thing. And the ugly thing that's in the middle of my point of view, that's the one thing that I want to draw. The, the, the telephone lines, the pillars, the, the, the signposts that are ugly to me, they're, they're so much of a part of it, you know? You know, I don't know if you know Felix Scheinberger. Yeah, I do. I have only recently discovered him this week, but I am now a huge fan. Great. So he's a great artist too. And he wrote a book that's called, I, called, I think, Drainting. So it's drawing and painting at the same time. And the most, the, the thing that I really uh, uh, remember from this book is he says that drawing, making a drawing is just making choices. And uh, standing for your choices, you know? And you make decisions. You make tons of decisions. It's not just clicking your clicking on the button of your and doing some settings. It's do I draw this? Do I put emphasis in this? Do, uh, what what medium am I going to use? And I really I really like this this idea because it's you have to be responsible. And you in every drawing, you make good decisions and bad decisions as well. Some are going to show, some are not going to show, but it's all about decision. And and then it's all about responsibility that if the drawing is bad, maybe it's just your fault, you know, <laughs> but it's okay. It's very okay. It's okay to make a bad decision because it's, it's not, the world doesn't depend on your decision. Yeah. And uh, I think making a bad decision now helps you eliminate those bad decisions later it's always uh, a journey and always like you're always making more progress if you are looking out for those kind of things but uh, it's it's that's a really great description of it don colley described it as editing in real time as artists we edit while we draw and we take all these decisions while we draw and that decision making is such a cool aspect even if you have two or three different artists and you instruct them to paint the same scene from the same point of view, you can still in their three drawings, you can see their difference in editing and the difference in the decisions of what they wanted to emphasize. Oh yeah, that's the best part. I, I, I draw a lot with uh, Marielle Durand, who is a, an amazing sketcher and a, a really good friend. And last, last year we were in Amsterdam for the symposium. And first day, we sit together at a terrace and, and we start drawing. And 
I drew everything she did not draw and she drew everything that I did not draw. And it was like the pieces of a puzzle. I chose the the vertical line, the, the, the left part of the scene and she chose the right part and more uh, horizontal. And I think both drawing were cool, you know? Uh, but that was really... And we did not talk to each other, you know? And we saw the exact... Not opposite, but the... It's like yin and yang, you know. It's and it was amazing. It was really funny, and that that happens a lot between me and and Marielle. Uh, that we we're gonna go for the exact different uh, subjects. It's really fun. Wow! Yeah, that's it's this. Uh, it brings me to what I wanted to ask you about the urban sketching community. So, which are the urban sketching communities that you are able to participate in, and like? Uh, what what specific things have they like we've already talked about this but what what specific things have they given you and how do you contribute to them so i'm i'm part of the urban sketchers paris group um i'm one of the illustrators of the administrators of the group and so we have something kind of spe- special in this group is that in the past two years or in past year we've really developed projects that that are outside of the meetings you know so there there is a really active group that meets every every week sometimes several times a week just to draw together drink and draw and the all the classic things that we, we do in urban sketching but we also started doing projects around education uh, about transmitting the art of urban sketching and the two main projects we did one is with the with with children um who come from i don't know how to say this in politically correct words but like poorer houses you know people who don't have much much money and the kids come with us and we take them every month we take them for a workshop in a big museum or being land land uh, landmark of paris and we we teach them to urban sketch like they're the kids are from 6 to 11 12 and we're like okay now you're doing to you're going to draw this with continuous line or you're gonna just do the shadows and everything just like if there were uh, adults and they do it and it's amazing so that's one project. And the other one is we went to a prison in, in Paris called La, La Santé. And, and we gave workshops for a group of detainees there. Urban sketching inside the prison with the prisoners, the detainees. And, and then we were, which the part that was amazing is that the, the direction, the, the, the board of the prison allowed us to go almost anywhere in the prison and to draw by ourselves, just the, the sketchers. And we made an exhibition out of the drawings and our drawings and the drawings of the, the, the detainees. And wow, that was that was an amazing experience. <laughs> there, there has been um, an article about the prison project and the other one. Uh, in in the past few issues of drawing attention, the 
the official online uh, Urban Sketchers magazine. If you check in September and this summer, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but you can find more about this in, in, in the magazine. Interesting. Very interesting. So this is a question that's very important to me because of the kind of people that I want to be able to speak to with this podcast. Of course, I'm speaking to Urban Sketchers and I'm speaking to people who are already artists in different uh, respects. But I also feel like the way you are doing with these projects, you're bringing younger and older people and you are allowing them to express themselves through urban sketching. And you are in that way showing them, maybe helping them find their own value. Maybe it could be meditative, maybe it could be creative, but everybody finds something of value that from pursuing this same activity as us. And I want to ask you then, what is one good reason that you could give to somebody who is completely a non-artist, but is maybe listening to you right now? What is one good reason you could give them to try to draw from observation? I think I, I was going to say, listening to the other podcasts, <laughs> because I, I heard your, your other uh, guests to talk about that I was going to say the, the connection you can get but if you're really not an artist and, and that's the thing that it, it really the first thing that really s s stroke me that when when I started sketching for real is like it, teach you, it teaches you to observe because you need to draw but it teaches you to observe in any kind of way you know like to see the world for real like when you want to draw a building, you need to understand how it's built. And suddenly you see the building, you know, and and being able to really see what's around you, the people around you, what they're, what they're doing, that, that's amazing. It's so, it makes the world so much more interesting. And in some way, maybe drawing would be just an excuse, you know, if you just sit at a cafe and start listening and, and looking at the people around you, you're just going to find out so many interesting things and hear <laughs> interesting stories. And, and that's, I think that's, this only makes it worth it, you know? Just seeing the world, seeing, really seeing what's around you, be, give attention, pay attention. Like in the in the in the subway, people want to be in their uh, they want to to be safe in in their safe place and they don't want to connect with the other people so they're going to be with their headphones, smartphone and everything. But then, I do this because I draw. But even if you don't draw, just put your head up and just look at people in in the subway it's amazing it's it's stories all the time the way people look what they're talking about what like a guy peeping over the shoulder of the other one to read what what they're reading uh, uh lovers uh beggars musicians it's it's like uh humanity in front of you you know <laughs> And you can you can draw it or you can just observe it and it's already amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a good point. So well said. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for this conversation. I've 
it's so great to hear <laughs> such similar inspirations from someone about how they have come to this and the things that they are trying to do with urban sketching with their art and it gives me a lot of confidence too to uh, like in in my case it gives me a lot of confidence to maybe once again think about writing in tandem with my urban sketches and i might start doing that more on my pages especially because i'm now starting to use a slightly bigger sketchbook and i don't want to draw bigger maybe <laughs> maybe i can fill that extra space with more words instead but i'm definitely going to give this a shot um your book is already selling pretty well but i would uh can you can you tell me if it also ships internationally yes it does because i discovered we have this amazing law in france that if you're selling uh, sending a book a french book abroad their the shipments are super cheap actually like it cost me less money to send you the book than to send to send it to somebody who lives in france so it ships internationally for sure <laughs> so where can somebody buy your book from what's the website so you just have to contact me in any social network instagram or facebook send me a message to say i want the book and then people can pay by transfer or paypal and so i i manage this all by myself and that's it i i'm 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 sending a lot of i feel like i'm an amazon storage house on my own you know <laughs> i have that same feeling i have boxes so i i self published last year and i had these boxes that came in one day and then suddenly they were occupying half of my room <laughs> exactly so i'm i'm I, it was 28 square meters now it's even less so <laughs> So uh, I would uh, request everybody who's listening to this episode to help Matt to reclaim his 28 square meters quickly buy his books so that he can have free space in his apartment again. It's a great book. I was able to see an e-copy of it. I don't speak French, so I could not read it, but nonetheless I was able to follow this incredible journey because like we've discussed in this conversation in so many ways it's the same journey for all of us in this Uh, lockdown period and we're all going through these same new experiences but your art is able to express so much that the words are almost uh, not necessary to appreciate the work that you've put in but if you can speak french i guess it's even more value so i i highly recommend your book and i hope that i can also have a physical copy very soon because i would like to own it <laughs> thank you so much matt for this wonderful conversation Well, thanks for having me. You're definitely getting a copy. No worries. It's going to come in a few days in Chicago. And and also also I'd like to to thank you for doing this podcast. I'm super happy to be part of it, but still even just listening to it like Paul Heston was the one of the first guy who inspired me when I was taking on urban sketching and having him in my in my ears while I was sketching myself outside listening to him talking. It was an amazing experience so I'm glad we can share this through podcasts. It's 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 super cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sneaky Art Podcast. Find Matt's work on Instagram at m a t l e t. That's Matt Let If you can I highly recommend that you buy his book it's absolutely beautiful
one of the subjects we spoke about that was very dear to me in this conversation was of travel sketching. Travel sketching is both fun and incredibly instructive. I now have sketchbooks for all my vacations over the last three years, and I value my sketches far more than any pictures that I have taken in that same time. We also talked about a bunch of French cartoonists and illustrators at one point. In the show notes that accompany this episode, you will find all their names and relevant links to their works. French cartoonists and comic book artists have influenced me since early childhood, since before I knew that they were French. And I urge anybody who's interested in drawing life to study the art of some of these great comic books. They contain invaluable lessons in composition, perspective, and figure drawing. I hope that this conversation was fun and useful for you. If you have any thoughts and would like to give me feedback, do share it with me by email on nishant at sneakyartist.com. I will be sharing my own thoughts and ideas from this episode on my website. Go to sneakyartist.com slash podcast to read the detailed show notes as well as a transcript of this conversation. Thank you for your attention and I hope you will join me in the next episode. Mm-hmm.